Are there parts of motherhood that did not come naturally? Do you feel overwhelmed? Are there secrets you wish you knew in advance about the motherhood journey? Could you use a place to cope with motherhood, laugh your woes away, and lighten the mommy guilt? Welcome to Toward, finding a mom-life balance. Welcome back to Torn, finding a mom-life balance. Today, we have our anniversary special celebration. We're going to recognize Women's History Month. Memes, can you believe that we've been on the air for two years? Happy anniversary, and we made it through a pandemic. (laughs) Happy anniversary. And all my technical difficulties every time we record. We made it through all of that. Well, it's part of Women's History Month. We overcome everything. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So to kick us off, um, Memes and I today, we're going to spend the episode just recognizing some of the women that have inspired us, poured into us, and kind of shaped the women we are today. So we're excited to share them with you. Um, And to kick it off, we're going to talk about our abuela, which we've spoken about her in the past, but it seems so fitting for women's history to start with our Latina heritage. So one thing about our grandmother, um, being that she was a mother of nine children um and as she would say six boys three girls um (laughs) but she valued family and i think that is a huge part of why i value family and see that as a huge part of me being a woman is the love of family being able to raise a family and just enjoying all those highs and lows of family life i think Um, For me, my abuela, in retrospect, represented a lot of the things that I value about independence. And so she was a widow at around 33 with nine children. And I only knew her as my abuela that spent time volunteering at church, taking communion to people keeping her family united, having events, but she was very giving and very involved. I remember her. I recently was laughing, thinking about bingo nights at the church where she was in the kitchen serving coffee and like how quick she was with like her little, her quick math and giving chains and um, having a system with the ladies in the church and how they were kind of like bicker with each other if they weren't fast enough or if they didn't do things the way they liked to do it. Um, But I remember, I always remember her out in the world. I remember her um, doing food pantries at her church and visiting her friends and traveling to Hawaii with a church group. And there were some local trips, but I saw a lot of her independence. And now as an adult and as a parent, as a partner, I admire so much what it took for her to reinvent herself in different ways. So migrating from Puerto Rico and not really knowing a language or a culture or what to expect. Um, I feel almost from her stories that she was still getting to know her husband and then the responsibilities of your children and growing a family and raising them as a single parent. 
uh, and still always giving back. This, she was, she's just always in my mind, this font of love and positivity and resilience and joy. And then having her life to herself again with an empty nest and reinventing herself again and being brave enough to travel and make new friends and try different things and learn to be um, a leader in church and do Bible study and teach people how to interpret the word. And I just think she, with her sixth grade education and difficulties in her life, she was always this example of taking the risk of leaping in and believing. She faithfully knew that God had laid out a plan for her and that she was going to be okay. And so she embraced all those moments and was such a great example of that independence. Yeah, I can echo that independence, especially when so many times you would call her house back when there were landlines and she was never home. (laughs) And you would go over to see where she could possibly be. And I just remember being so impressed that She wasn't scared to go to the 99 cent store up on the corner by herself or even the fact that with her public transportation in New York City, there was no fear. And I'm like, Grandma, the bus driver doesn't stop long enough for like someone moving at your pace to get on. She's like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll be fine. And she would just go out there and go about, you know, taking communion to people like you were saying or just never fear. And I think that also has really not only stood out to us, but really has set us on the course that we were on, right? Like the ability to go to college away from home or to travel on our own. Um, a lot of that goes to her to not be fearful Definitely. and take risk. Mm-hmm. So memes, what are some of the other women that come to mind when celebrating women's history? And then like the academic in me, my two other categories, one falls in the category of feminist study and literature. So when I went to college, um, I didn't really do a lot of critical lens in high school. So learning that there was feminist studies and that that was the approach to challenging what in my personal life had only been my my tackling machismo and uh, the patriarchy. Um, I came across Audre Lorde. And so finding this feminist poet that wrote so such empowering and bold narratives and essays that hit to these subtleties. One of my favorite essays in Sister Outsider mm-hmm. discusses the uses of the erotic And while the word erotic automatically makes people think something sexual, she really makes everyday mundane things um, a connection to your connection in the universe. The idea that if you could find joy in the quotidian things of your day. And when I was in college, and this is such a strange connection, but for me, it was my turkey sandwiches on a toasted bagel defined for me what she was talking about and it was because (laughs) I could in a very basic human way feed a hunger but I was feeding another spiritual thing in my process 
And so people made fun of me when I tried to explain to them um, why that was a meal that made me think of her essay because it's so profound and she made such, um, such impact. And she really highlighted for me the difference of the fight in feminism for white women and women of color and when you worked in service versus when you had privilege. And those were the bigger things, but in my everyday, it could be understanding my connection and, and grounding myself in that there were challenges out there, but we could also find the beauty in life in knowing that we were connected to the things we did with our time and with our hands. And that that's a moment I really cherish um, because of all the protests and the injustices that are still around. Lots of her quotes were circling around in the spring and summer and just surfacing again because she's never been forgotten. But it really brought me back to this idea of coming to voice and the bravery it takes to understand. Um, like my sister just said to me that one of her quotes that kind of spoke to her is about not having, just because you're silent, you're not any safer. And that was the transition I was making when I went to college. It was understanding that with my silence, I was making a statement too, and that I had to choose what that statement was going to be either way. Yeah. Well now, because you said you like, this is why I love doing a podcast with you because listeners, you might be learning more about us, but we're also learning about each other because now in my mind, those turkey sandwiches, like now I understand why we went to subway so much while you were in college. So <laughs> thank you, Audrey. <laughs> Cause those were <laughs> slamming sandwiches. <laughs> um, but along kind of the same lines, like writers that impact, you know, I, I have uh, the one that I keep coming back to is Cleo Anthony Woodford Morrison, better known as Toni Morrison, um, and just the power of her writing, the ability of her words to impact you emotionally, mentally. And sometimes, like, physically, like, they hurt mm -hmm. <laughs> um, when thinking about it. And I remember um, just being in high school, and I think it was my freshman English class, we read The Bluest Eye. And for the longest time, you know, most of our upbringing um, was predominantly white neighborhoods. And for the first time, I was kind of in a school that kind of had diversity. There were more um, Latin students um, than I had gone to school with previously. And so reading The Bluest Eye was definitely eye-opening because basically Toni Morrison hits on so many different social issues. But the one that hit my heart the most was actually realizing that there could be this desire to be something that you're not. And so the character Bacola in this um, story, because society and everything around her keeps telling her that she's ugly because she doesn't look like a, a little white girl. Um, she ends up desiring to the point of mental illness, these blue eyes. 
and just the whole text, the injustice done to this little girl, the things that she's challenged with and facing, I began to realize that, you know, you could easily be subject to the same injustices, but be completely blind from it. Um, and not even realize that what other people, what society is saying, what magazines are saying, what your parents and all those that are around you are saying can influence you to the point of madness, right? So that character just, it, it just is, uh, it's a cruel reality, but it's something to raise our awareness and say, hey, the words that I'm speaking to my children Am I telling them to be something that they're not? Or am I really pouring into them truth about their identity, right? Because who they are is great. They don't have to fit this specific demographic. Um, And I think a commonality both um, these writers have is this questioning the world. I think as parents, it's such a heavy burden but it is our responsibility to instill the confidence in our students to question to question us to question what's being said to them because we know you know just having to highlight women's history month just shows us that it's not an even playing field that we're not just all the time and that they have you know without instilling cynicism we want them to question for that right for things to be just and I think they're both really powerful examples of navigating a world and and you know surviving a world while we still know that we're not thriving yet but that we have to question it and challenge it so we can make it better yeah and I just love and I don't know being that I love to write and I love art they've turned word into beautiful art, right? <laughs> they've, mm-hmm. And they've actually have taught me, hey, you know, there's multiple ways to say something. What impact do you want to make with your words? One that's actually going to propel people to be enlightened and change, not necessarily accepting of what you're saying, right? Because Toni Morrison wrote books that people, like Blue as Eye is the most controversial book in the school system. <laughs> like they don't want teachers teaching it because um, there's so many like things in it and it's pretty profound, but it still needs to be said. And I think she did it in a beautiful way. And the same thing with Audrey, like her poetry, Although it's in your face, it's still palatable that you hear what she's saying. You don't become deaf by the confrontation of the words. Um, so that's uh, that's what excites me about it. So memes, um, what's your other woman that you wanted to highlight? And so, again, um, in my love of art, Frida Kahlo is my next selection. And I would say that more than right now, we're in a time where lots of her visage, her work, um, Mexican art can sometimes be main, made mainstream in a way that doesn't really respect the layers of the culture. Um, but when I fell in love with her, it was a combination of what happens in the world. Selma Hayek was, made a movie. Um, I enjoyed her as an actress. I 
wanted to learn more about this artist that I had come across in a short passage that I was teaching seventh graders in order for them to take standardized tests. And I wanted to know more about this person that I had read this blurb. Um, and I admired like Hollywood telling a story about someone that did that blurred the lines with her love and sexuality. Um, definitely know that the fact that she faced so many challenges was a reason why telling that story was compelling. But I think it was more important to see a Latin woman's story that didn't fit a mold, right? Had her unibrow, had her mustache, dressed um, non-traditionally. You know, I love her her pictures. Um, her po- I have postcards of her in a suit. I love um, one of her, I, I believe it's the, sis- the, the sisters. It's like her in two versions holding her hands and her insides are open and in your face and really raw because I think that's how she felt lifeless, right? When you're alive and you're trying things and either you're healing from being broken or you're taking the risk of loving and tiptoeing towards the next time you're broken, um, all your guts are out. Everything is out there on the line. Mm. And I think she had a really great way of depicting that. Um, And so I just explored more art based on that passion uh, because I didn't necessarily take visual arts or take art history. And so just appreciating the exhibit at the Botanical Gardens of the Blue House and I'll put it out into the universe, hopefully manifesting one day visiting La Casa Azul, um, which I have wanted to do for a very long time just makes me feel connected to another powerful person who went through different types of things and had their own unique ways of processing them, but was really, really brave. Yeah, I think brave is the word that comes to mind when I think of Frida. And I remember coming across her art in seventh, eighth grade. Um, And actually that year I was taking a, a pottery class And one of the assignments was to make your bust, right? Like your head. (laughs) So, um, and she actually inspired me to be okay with actually molding the clay as best as I could. Because I am terrible people with pottery. I barely passed the class. But the best that I could in my eighth grade little hands... um, the, the features of my face that are actually there that I'm a little insecure about, right? So in eighth grade, I had that unibrow, but if Frida could do it mm-hmm. <laughs> and make art out of it, then let me just be brave and do it. So I remember use, she inspired me to just be who I was, right? And to not create this image that I'm not. Right, like make sure that the hair is curly on the statue, and that the uni brows there, and the long cybers uh, that I'm not a big fan of, but I have. So um, that that's kind of what she represents for me too, is that bravery. And kind of along the same thread, meme, I picked uh, another woman that um, 
has defined bravery in my life when I came across the text that explains her life. And it's the woman Esther um, from the Bible. And Esther is very unique because she grew up during a time where the Israelites were in captivity. um, And she pretty much grew up during a time where she wasn't allowed to freely be who she was. And so what I mean by that is that although her name was, um, everybody knows her as Esther, that's actually her Persian name. Um, And her true name was Hadassah, and that was her Hebrew name. And to fit into society, they changed their names. Um, But I think it's so interesting that Esther means star, and Hadassah means myrtle, which is a evergreen shrub, which is a symbol of peace. And her whole story is about her growing up as an orphan taken care of by her cousin. And then she ends up getting taken away from her cousin to be trained and beautified to be the king's to go in the running of possibly becoming the queen. Um, Because the king at that time was looking for a new queen. And she goes through this whole process known as Esther, right? And she ends up getting selected. And then the king's right-hand person wants to execute all of her people, all of the Hebrews, all of the Israelites. Um, And she ends up having to, like, fast for three days and go before the king un- uh, unrequested, not asked for, which could have led to her death. And so bravery again, she stands up for her people and reveals her true identity. And because she was faithful this whole time, she kind of symbolizes both. She becomes the star, right? That everyone was calling her. She becomes a star that brings peace between the people because she's actually able to divert the plans um, that were set against her people. So I just admire her because I'm like, man, I don't know if I could have done all that. But again, kind of like you were saying, like with even Frida, like all the things that they had to overcome in their life is what gave them the character to come off as brave to all of us that read their story or hear their story afterwards. And I think a big part of enjoying making our highlights and anything that we are surfacing, you know, from our own personal perspective is that we know some stories, right? And we know that there's different reasons why some are highlighted and some are hidden or some have been allowed to be invisible. Um, But we need to hear more stories and and find those voices that resonate with us and the ones that inspire us to be what we want to be. Um, In recent meditations, I found myself thinking like how long this journey has been. And so what resonates with me is whenever the pieces of work that artists share or my favorite writers share kind of speak to where they are on that journey and how they so how they've woven themselves into history and what they've learned along the way and i think it's just important for us to keep sharing stories because everyone can use hearing one that resonates with them and motivates them and empowers them um so i really enjoyed doing this reflection together 
Yeah, and Doran Dry, we want to hear your women that you want to highlight or that have spoken to you, whether they're in your family or you've read them as writers or listened to their music or see their artwork, um, experience their architecture, uh, architect, you know. So does any woman that has spoken to you and has helped pour into the woman that you are today, Torn Tribe, um, we would love to hear about that. And memes um, for our favorite segment of the show, The Mend. And now for our men segment, where we share a highlight from the week. So, what's mending you this week? I got a haircut on Saturday. <laughs> I look human again. So, one less thing I have to, you know, quaffing the quaff and prepping to be in the world um, is only harder when you don't use the tools you have. And so I'm excited that I got that cleaned up. It's making me feel, it's making me glow a little more. Yeah, I'm excited for you because down here it's hard to find anyone that can cut my hair. I will share this funny kind of crazy story. So I went to, it has to do with the haircut people, so bear with me. So I went to go give my two younger kids a haircut. I decide, hey, I'm here. Why not? Let's get a trim. So I sit in the chair and... The um, stylist, yeah, the stylist. Thank you. The stylist. I'm just. I, I'm picturing what she did to me and just how you guys are going to react. All right. So <laughs> the stylist, and no, I have very, I have curly hair, and it's down to the middle of my back. So she goes around just brushing the tips of my hair and begins to trim. So she, no, no. We, I, don't do, we don't do dry cuts in the middle of North Carolina. <laughs> dry cuts, curly hair. This is all wrong. <laughs> Just tell me you don't know how to cut curly hair. And I would be about my business. Um, it was just the craziest thing. I'm like, what is going on? I, I couldn't even say anything to stop it from like happening because... She already had got gotten going. And, yeah. And I'm like, with the scissors. I'm like, oh my gosh, let me just sit through this. And I guess I'll come back when I know someone else is here to cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> but just for those that were wondering, you just don't cut curly hair that way. Wet the whole thing, comb it out. You can get it kind of straight to make a cut. <laughs> Not just the ends. Um so what what's did, mending you? Yeah, what's mending me? Apparently not my haircut. <laughs> so uh, March Madness, man. It's that time of the year. I am so happy that we're having a tournament again. Well, it's good to know that what's definitely shaken up my nerves in my household is bringing a man to you. <laughs> I don't like sharing the television. Well, come on, man. It, and I it's, met and it's, him. I met him, but I'm glad. I'm glad someone else can relate to whatever joy he uh, from watching these events. Creating the brackets. Um, 
It's just going to be – I'm just so looking forward to games getting going. And the other crazy thing is, like, it's a unique year, right? We have teams on reserve because of COVID and all this. So it's time for small schools to rise up. So I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you guys. So let's play some good basketball, people. So that's what's mending me. March Madness is in the making. <laughs> so Torrent Tribe, we would love to hear from you guys what's mending you, what's keeping you together these days, or what's not mending you so much, like my haircut story, if you can relate, or you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, and have a really good stylist please drop us a line. So be sure tell our folks how to stay connected. And we are tornmlb at gmail.com. Please follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at tornmlb. Thanks for joining. Choose grace. When you feel torn, choose, choose grace. grace.